Good morning again. Good morning again. Wow, man, it's amazing how much changes just in a second. But uh, I'm excited to be here, here with you guys this morning. I'm excited as we start, actually that was a typo at the end, start the, that series here this morning. And uh, we, we uh, continually want to make sure that we're a church about change and uh, continuing to see life change in people continuing to change and, and, uh, and grow as a church. And uh, it's exciting to see how God has uh, allowed that to happen to this point. And uh, just to think, uh, less than a year ago, we were still meeting in a living room. And uh, now I don't think that would be possible. So it's exciting just to see change in people. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. And uh, just how God is growing and changing uh, His church as well. But uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I wanted or that I, th- I think about when I think about change, especially as, as the band played this morning for the first time. Didn't they do a great job? I really appreciate it. They did a fantastic job. But uh, I, as the band was playing, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, man, just some of the old music that I listened to. And, and, and how many of you guys, I'm going to show my age here for a minute. How many of you guys used to listen to music on on these, on cassette tape, yeah, yeah, right? That was like where it was, right? I wanted to actually show you a cassette tape player. I couldn't find one. You know, seriously, that's like how old this is. But I remember getting a cassette tape when I was uh, growing up and listening to this song. Check this out. Listen to this. See if you remember this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just let me, let me, let me get the moment for a minute. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. You guys remember getting the air guitar, right? Air guitar. Yeah. But uh, I remember taking these things and, and like like having a great song that my buddy had, right? And he'd have it on a tape. And so I would take that and I would take and, and put it into a two-tape player, right? And so I'd be able to take that great song like this and do what with it? Copy it and put it on my tape, right? Now, I, I know it's illegal, so I don't want to hear that, okay? I know. I, I repented, and everything's cool now. But uh, And you guys did the same thing, by the way. But uh, I remember doing that. And then I remember, like, a buddy would come to me, and he'd be like, you've got that song? Well, here. I want that song. And so what would we do? Make another copy of a copy, right? And then his buddy would come along and say, I need that song. we make a copy of a copy of a copy. And then his buddy, actually probably his mom, right? His mom would come and say, you know, I, I like that song. And so she would say, I want a copy. So we make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, right? And so you have all these copies floating around of this song. What, what song is this, by the way? Bon Jovi, right? 
Shot through the heart. Come on, guys. Come on. Right? Work with me. But I want you to think for a minute. What, uh, what, are, some of the, uh, what are some of the songs that you grew up listening to? Come on. What, what are some of the songs? You, yeah. Who? Oh, man. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Cindy Lauper. Okay. Who else? Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah. Who else? Chili Peppers? Chili peppers? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're still pretty popular. Who else? Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Wow, okay. Rolling Stones. Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, yeah, Zeppelin. Smashing Pumpkins. How many of you guys remember bands like uh, like Poison? Yeah, and, and Motley Crue. What's that? What? Ace. Eight. Oh, no, we're not even talking about that. Ace of Bates. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, there, there are limitations. So some music is just sinful. Um, what, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's funny, though, because we would take and make copies of copies of copies, and what would happen over time? The song would become so distorted that we couldn't even tell what song it was anymore, right, after so many copies of the same song. And a lot is true when you look at truth. Okay, when you look at the truths of Scripture, as that video said at the beginning, it's easy over time for the truth to be passed down from generation to generation to generation. And over time, that truth can, can, can change, can it? It's, uh, first, the, the truth is accepted. Right, and then, then the truth is is compromised, the truth is heard, and compromised, and then at some point the truth is ignored, and then it, at some point then the truth is totally lost. And, and so I'm excited as we enter into this series, <clears throat> that where we're talking about one generation away, we are one generation away from losing the truths that God gave us, but we are also one generation away from seeing radical change in people's lives if we start that today, right? And so that's kind of where I want to go through this series is that we are one generation away of seeing a radical change happen within our city, within our country, within the world if we are willing to step up to the plate and see that change take place. And so I, I want us to, to think about that as we go into this series, this new series we start today and we run for the next couple weeks, one generation away. Within that, we don't need, like, a set of rules to live by, okay? And that's, that's kind of not where I'm going with this. We don't need a set of rules to live by, and you'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. Instead, we need a calling to live for, okay? I, I, I don't want to stand up here and say, okay, here are a set of rules that we are to live by. Instead, I want to stand up here and say, here is a calling that we are called to live for. And you'll kind of see where I'm going with, it, with that in a second. Um, I, I want us to go through First Timothy as we look at this idea of one generation away and seeing the changes happen today in order to propel change in the future. And, and so we're going to be going through the book of First Timothy. We won't be in that book here today, but I want to give us an intro to, to who wrote that book because you can always tell a lot by a person by who their mentor is. Does that make sense? You can always tell a lot. For example, 
you can tell a lot about me when you meet the guys that have poured into my life, okay? Because it says two things. It says, one, that I wanted them to pour into my life. But it says a second thing. It says that they wanted to pour into my life. And so you can always tell a lot about an individual by who their mentors are. And so you can tell a lot about Timothy by who his mentor was. And his mentor was a guy named Paul, okay? Now, Paul was an interesting fellow. Um, the history of Paul, basically, he, he, he killed Christians for a living, okay? He hated Christianity. He hated everything about Jesus. He hated everything about what they were doing. And, and so he, he was like a, a, a modern-day terrorist, if you will, okay? That was Paul. And, and Paul just had an incredible life change that happened in his life. And, and, and for instance, what we're talking about today and through this series, change, okay? And Paul had an incredible change within his life. What basically, short, the, the short of the story is he was walking on a road uh, to a city named Damascus. And as he's walking on this road with a bunch of his thugs that were with him, they were en route to do what? To kill some Christians, right? Sounds like a great hobby, right? Yeah, we're just on the road. We're going to go kill some Christians, you know? But that is what they were on the road to do. They were headed to kill some Christians. And Jesus kind of met him on that road. And, and it says that, uh, that Paul was blinded. And then Jesus commanded him to walk to a city. And, uh, <clears throat> and Paul realized who God was at that point. And, and it, it, it was kind of like a UFC fight, a one-way UFC fight, right? Or, or if you remember the days of Tyson, Mike Tyson... It was kind of like, like, a, like a Tyson fight, you know, one blow to the head, the, the dude's out. That was Jesus uh, was, uh, was Tyson, and, and Paul was the dude that was his victim, and so one blow to the head, and he was out, except there was no ear biting. But uh, <clears throat> so, so here's Paul, and his life was radically changed. But you have to remember, at that point then, as his life was changed, God used him and sent him to talk to other people to see change happen in their lives. So you have to picture this, okay? Say this morning, like, like Paul, we said, was like a, like a, uh, a modern-day terrorist, okay? So you have to picture with me uh, a terrorist of today walking into this room, okay? And, and he walks up, and, and like, like who, who's a modern-day terrorist right now? Osama bin Laden, right? So Osama, Osama bin Laden walks up here, and he says, Man, you know, I, I had this fight with, with God, and, and he kind of knocked me on my, on my butt, and, and he changed my life. Um, I, I want to, uh, to be your pastor. I want to teach you. And so here's Osama bin Laden. He says, hey, can I lead prayer group? Everybody close their eyes. Are you going to close your eyes? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. But uh, this was Paul. This is, this is kind of the situation that Paul was in. And so here he was, a guy that used to kill Christians, and now God has totally changed his life in 180 degrees. And now here is a guy who is trying to take the, 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 the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people because it has changed his life so much, right? Now, now what is funny about this, though, Paul, when you think about a guy that walks into a town to, to share with other people about the change that has happened in their life, and you think of a guy like Paul, you think of a guy that was like, you know, maybe 6'4", you know, 230, two, two pure muscle, right? Some big guy. Well, Paul wasn't that guy, all right? Actually, Paul was more like a guy that was like, like a little short, fat Jewish guy, 
All right. So picture Paul, little short, fat Jewish guy, balding on top. And in fact, in Corinthians, he wrote, he wrote uh, to the church in Corinth. And he says all these pretty strong things to the church in Corinth. He actually says, he says, you know what? You need to get this right or I'm going to come there and get it right. You know, he was a pretty bold guy. Okay. So you got to picture this. Paul walks into a city at Corinth to preach the gospel, the change that has happened in his life. And they're expecting this guy, big guy, to come in, right? Well, here comes Paul, a little short, fat Jewish guy, balding on top. And he says, hey, you guys aren't listening to me, right? Okay? And uh, it's kind of expecting the big guy to walk in, and you see, like, George Costanza walk in, right? You're like, what what is this? Okay? That was kind of Paul. That's what people, people thought when Paul walks into an area. But he was, I'll tell you what, he was one of the toughest guys in all of Scripture, as I look through Scripture, if there is anybody that I say, you know what, besides Jesus Christ, that I want to emulate my life after, I would have to be honest with you and say Paul. Because as I read what Paul's life was like, Paul was beaten more times. And we're going to read about that here in a second. Paul was, was shipwrecked multiple times. Paul was homeless for long parts of his ministry journeys. He had no money, okay? It says that he was close to death several times. It says that he was beaten naked at times. And here's a guy, not a big 6'5", you know, 230, pure muscle. But here's a short, kind of stubbly, bold guy that was one of the toughest guys in all of Scripture. And he continued to go forward because of the change and the truth that he had found in the gospel. He didn't back up. Turn, turn to Acts uh, chapter uh, 14, if you will. Turn to Acts chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 8. And with that, with that backdrop, <clears throat> I want you to picture with me the guy that I just described to you living out the pages of the, of the scriptures that we're going to look at here this morning. Acts chapter 14, verse 8, it says, In Lystra... There sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. Okay. <clears throat> now, just a little background story. Paul left from Jerusalem with a guy named Barnabas. <clears throat> they were both leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And they left to go on these missionary journeys to see churches planted all through the region, to see people reached with the gospel. Okay to see the same truth that he had found that changed his life, to help others find that same truth, to see their lives changed. And so this is, this is what Paul is doing. He's traveling, trying to reach people with, with, with the truth of who Jesus was, see their lives changed radically, dismiss all the rumors and lies and all that stuff that has happened, but to help them understand the truth of God's grace and God's mercy and God's compassion for the people that are in the area. 
much like what we are trying to do as a new church that's starting here in Virginia Beach. We want to plant churches all through the area to take the gospel to people to help them understand who the true Jesus Christ is from Scripture. Not the lies and the rumors and and all the misbeliefs that people know, but the truth of God's compassion, his grace and his mercy and his love for each one of us. So that is what Paul is doing. And it says, In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. It says he listened to Paul as he was speaking. So Paul shows up. He's speaking the truth. This, uh, this, this lame and crippled guy is laying on the floor listening to Paul. And it says Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out. He said, Stand up on your feet. It says at that the man jumped up and began to walk. This is, this is a miracle. Here's a guy who had never walked in his life. He has no muscle tone to even be able to walk. And, and, and Paul says, stand up and walk. And the guy stands up and he walks, and it's a testimony to the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. But get this, it continues, and it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lacanian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. And so here are the people watching what Paul did, seeing this lame guy healed, and they're saying, these guys are gods. Paul and Barnabas, they are gods. And it says, Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city, I'm sorry, to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So I I, I want to stop there just for a second, and and I want to pick this apart a little bit, okay? First of all, it says that Paul did this miracle that allowed this guy to get up and walk. How many of us today believe that God still does miracles? Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of us today have seen God do a miracle? Fewer. I want to ask a third question. How many of us have not seen God do a miracle because maybe we're not putting ourselves in the place to see God do a miracle? I don't know. I'm just asking. Just asking. Because... As I understand the pages of Scripture, those that saw miracles were in a place of need. Is that true to say? Those that saw miracles within their lives were in a place of need. How many of us in our lives are willing to put ourselves in a place of need? Because we live in an incredibly blessed country, don't we? I've traveled to different parts of the world, had the blessing to be able to do that. And every time that I've done that, it, it leaves me changed. Because I realize and understand how blessed I have it here. So I, I, I've seen God do miracles in my life. But I've also put myself in the place that I had no control over what was happening in my life. And God had to do something. Okay. I moved to this area from Akron, Ohio, because I felt God wanted to use us to plant a church here in Virginia Beach, in the Hampton Roads area. I had no idea where I was going to work, 
how I was going to support my family. And some of you might call that foolishness. I call it stepping out in faith because I believe I heard from God that told me to do that. And would you know, within a week, I found a great job, made great relationships there, enjoyed working there. It was, it was wonderful. I say that's a miracle. You know what else I say is a miracle? I say that those that are sitting here that have given your life to Christ, that you've seen life change in your life, that is a miracle. I can tell you that in my life, I am different than I used to be. That is a miracle. We can't forget about that. I'm going to show you a video here in a little bit that's going to show you up close a miracle. <clears throat> but here is Paul. He performs this miracle, okay, in Lystra. And, and, and all the people stand up and they say, man, Paul and Barnabas are gods. They start bringing gifts and, you know, putting out the, 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 the uh, what do you call the, the pedals they put on the floor, you know. So the guys could walk on them, you know, giving them grapes and fanning them, you know, all all the works, right? And so let me ask you guys, what does Paul say about that? He says, let's find it here. In verse 14, it says, but when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of this, it says they tore their clothes. They were upset. They said, no, you can't do this. Now, let me ask you guys, how many of you guys, if you lived a life where you were beaten, you were shipwrecked, you were homeless, you were naked, you, you had nothing. How many of you guys, if somebody came up and said, you are God, we will do whatever you want, how tempting would that be? I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest, I'd be a little tempted. I'd be like, wow, you want, I'll have clothes? Great, I hate being naked, you know. I'm going to be able to eat? Wow, that's wonderful. I love that kind of food. You know, let's, let's, let's go slaughter a pig, you know. But that would be extremely tempting. But Paul says, no, look, in fact, it says he tore his clothes. They tore their clothes. Now, how many of you guys are, are crazy drivers? How many of you guys are crazy drivers? Okay, how many of you guys... And I've got to talk about this. How many of you guys think that this city is full of crazy drivers? All the hands go up, right? Um, Those of you that didn't raise your hand for saying that you are a crazy driver, you're a liar. All right? Because the city is full of crazy drivers because of you. Okay? Um, In fact, I'll admit, I go back home to Ohio to visit, and people have to tell me, why are you driving so fast? Slow down. You know, why did you take that corner so fast? You know, people got to tell me to chill out. And I'm like, what? I just feel like I'm driving normal. You know, I fit right in here, right? And you do too. But the other day, I was sitting in traffic, which happens quite frequently here, right? I was sitting in traffic, and I was in a hurry to get somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And the guy in front of me, no kidding, I... I this, I did not get this guy. He was driving me nuts. And I just thought to myself, could I just bump him? You know, would that be a bad thing? Get out of my way, right? But this guy, he's like doing his hair. No, this is no joke. He's doing his hair. And then I see him like lean over the seat. And he's like doing something down here. And I'm like, dude, get out of the way. And then he comes back up and he does this. Like cracking his neck. I'm like, 
there are better times for this, bro. You know? And, and then, this is no joke, he takes a rag and he starts wiping his dash off. I'm like, clean your car somewhere else. I got places to be. Right? And so I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, it can't be simple just to hit this guy and get him out of my way. So I'm, I'm like in Paul state. I'm like tearing my clothes. It's like, no! Get out of the way. And that's kind of where Paul was. Sort of. Um, maybe Paul's anger was a little more righteous. I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but uh, Paul is at that place and he tears his clothes just out of, out of this righteous anger, this grief. He's like, no, you don't get it. I am not God. I come with the truth of God. I am not God. And it goes on and it says, he said, uh, it says, rush, uh, but when the apostles Paul and Barnabas heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd and they started shouting, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you, to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. It says, In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. I kind of want to take a sidestep here. I want to teach you guys a theological term. I just said theology, and I just lost half of you guys. That's all right, though. Um, They said theology in seminary. They lost me, too. Um, But uh, theology is a study of who God is. And I want to teach you a term that, that describes who God is. And it's a term called common grace. Okay, it is grace that God gives to all mankind. And it's described right here. It says he has not left any without testimony. So it's of God's testimony that God gives grace to all mankind. It says he has shown kindness by giving us rain from heaven. So that our crops would grow in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food. And I know some are sitting here and saying, well, what about those that are are go hungry? I don't think that's God's fault. I think that's our fault. Look how much we consume and what we dump. Anyways, God provides us with all the food and fills our hearts with joy. This is common grace that God bestows on all mankind. And Paul says that is a testimony to these people. He says that is a testimony in your life to who God really is. But Paul tells him, he says, instead, you are worshiping worthless things. Don't worship me. I'm worthless when it comes to who God truly is. Let me point you to the truth to see change in your life as I've seen change in my life. Now, we can read this and we think, man, these guys are really primitive. They're worshiping other people. I don't know about you, but I turn on the TV and I see people worshiping Eminem. I see people worshiping Brett Favre. I see people worshiping a a TV show that's one of the most popular shows for the last 10 years called what? American Idol, right? And so I look at that and I say, maybe it's not so primitive. 
But Paul says it is worthless to worship anything except the living God. And it goes on and it says, this is where it gets good, guys. It says in verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. It says, They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. So basically, Paul was standing there. He tears, No, I am not God. And then it says, A crowd from the next city over came. And if you look it up, those two cities are about 100 miles apart. So those guys, to go to that city, to beat Paul, to kill Paul, they, they quit their jobs, you know, they, they maybe uh, took some leave time, you know, maybe some time paid off. I don't know if they had that back then. But, but they, they did whatever they had to do to give up whatever they had to give up to walk 100 miles, like from here to Richmond. It took them probably three, four days, maybe a week to walk that to get to Paul to kill him. These guys were determined and so they show up, and it says that they stoned Paul. And, uh, stoned Paul. They stoned Paul. We're not talking about, you know, the, the, like, like uh, fast times at Ridgemont High stoning. You know, we're not talking about that. You know, we're, we're not talking about the, uh, the, the smell that we would smell in my high school stairs case. You know, we're not talking about that kind of stoning. We're talking about they picked up little rocks and wailed them out of his head until they thought he was dead. That's the kind of stoning we're talking about. And then it says that Paul was then dragged out of the city. Think about this. They thought that he was dead. How many of you guys have ever been knocked out before? A couple of you? Okay. I, I trust you guys. All right. I, I trust that you guys won't laugh at me. I was knocked out one time. I was a freshman in high school. And I, I wish I could tell you I was like a boxer. And, you know, I went for a right, and this guy dodged it and took a left. That, that really didn't happen, though. Um, I was in high school just hanging out with some different guys in the hallway as a freshman. And one of the guys, Dave Johnson was his name. This guy was like, he was like a short guy, but, man, he was like a stone wall. I don't know why, but <laughs> Dave Johnson thought it'd be funny to walk up and punch the little freshman kid in, in the belly. And so he wailed me in the stomach knocked the wind out of me, and the next thing I know, I'm waking up on the floor. All right, He knocked me out cold. I wake up in the middle of the hallway. The bell had rung, so all these students are walking the hallway, and I'm laying there, and I'm just like, and I'm hazy. If you guys have been knocked out, you wake up, you're just a little bit, whoa, what just happened, right? So I kind of stand up. I, I stumble to my class, and I remember grabbing on the locker and be like, uh, okay, get my balance. I stumbled to class. But here's Paul. He's knocked out. He wakes up. They thought he was dead. They didn't even want his dead body in the city. They drag him out of the city. He wakes up. He gets back up. And you know what he does? He walks back to the city. I don't know about you, but I think I would go the other way, right? Not Paul. He walks back into the city. Maybe he took a few rocks, uh, too, too many rocks to the head. I, I, I don't know. But he gets up and he walks back into the city because he believes that the truth that he has to deliver is worth his life. You know what scares me is I believe that half of us in this room would not even take a paper cut for Jesus. You know, many of us today, if we were in Paul's situation, 
we would wake up, we'd go get our lawyer, we'd file a lawsuit, we'd file a uh, restraining order, we'd go get on the local media news, and we'd go sign a book deal, right? And you know, when we do that, what do we miss? We miss this right here. Take a look at this. It says, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Paul continued his missionary journey, continued going with the truth that God had given him, the truth that God gives us through his word. And it says that God drew many people to himself because of Paul's sacrifice. Now, we don't have time to go into this, but if you would look in verse chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, you're going to see that Paul then goes back a second time to this same area a couple years later. And it says that Paul meets a guy named Timothy, who we're going to pick up on later next week. And it says that Paul in that city is looking for somebody that he can train, that he can mentor. And everybody says it's got to be Timothy. And many people guess that Timothy gave his life to Christ, that he was one of those many that gave his life to God after seeing the beating that Paul took. Again, I believe that you can tell a lot by a person by who their mentor is. And so seeing who mentored Timothy, being Paul here that we talked about today, I believe gives us a snapshot into the life of Timothy. And it says later in Timothy's life, he was actually martyred for his faith. As history shows us. But we can tell a lot by a man by who his mentor was. <clears throat> As the band comes up and continues to, to lead us in worship here this morning, we have great opportunities as a church to see the same gospel that Paul took to the city of Lystra to go to the city around us. We are entering a season that is an exciting season as a church. The season of Easter. Spring, new things are coming. People are open more now than ever to spiritual truth. And we are gearing up all kinds of things to to try to invite people to be here on Easter Sunday. I can't go into the details of that yet until I confirm it. But there are all kinds of exciting things that we are confirming as we speak to try to draw people to this theater on Easter Sunday to present the same message that Paul presented to the city of Lystra that saw many men be drawn to to God. That is a goal of our church here this morning, is to see life change in people. I want you to look at this video real quick. Can we cue that video? This took place yesterday.
don't want to set a bunch of rules to live by. Instead, we want to give people a calling to live for. And so during this series, I'm going to challenge us each week to be inviting people that desperately need the grace and the mercy and the love and the compassion that Jesus brings to people. The change that he brings in life as these two ladies represented yesterday through stepping out in obedience and saying, yes, I've given my life to Christ and now as God says, I want to be baptized to show people the life change that's happening inside of me. It's exciting for me, guys, to see what God is doing in the lives of people. And I am always going to be striving forward and saying we want to see that same change happening in the lives of other people. And so I want to challenge us here this morning, especially those that, that are here. And this is, this is home. Virginia Beach is home. I want to challenge us as the band finishes out this morning to take these cards and I want you to write seven different names on seven different cards of people that you want to invite on Easter Sunday. And we're going to fill this wall. This is going to be a wailing wall. You know, if you, I've been to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they have this wall where people put prayers and they wail for people. And this is going to be our wailing wall right here at Awaken. Where we're going to put these names up of people that we want to see come on Easter Sunday. Because you're going to take a card and say, hey... I want you to come. I'll pick you up. I'll take you to lunch. I'll do what I told a, a friend of mine. I said, if I can get that guy there, and, and he, I believe, is an alcoholic. If I can get him there on Easter Sunday, I will, I will take him out to lunch. And if he wants a beer, I don't want to like, force his, his addiction. But if that's the only way to get him there on Easter Sunday, I will take him out for one drink. You know, that sounds bizarre and crazy, but I want that guy to come to Jesus Christ. I want him to find the grace and the power and the mercy and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. And so I want to challenge you, Awaken. Fill these cards out, one name on seven different cards, and post them up here and be praying for these people week in and week out and inviting them to Easter Sunday. Can we do that, guys? Thank you.